Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As you're being seated, if you'll join me in the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13. I want to look at verses 1. I'm going to go through this story. So this first part will have a little bit of scripture, but I'm going to move through it here. John chapter uh, 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wash them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then comes he to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answering and said unto him, What I do you know not now, but you shall know hereafter. Peter said unto him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now there are two phrases I want us to identify in this explanation Jesus gives of what he has done in the washing of their feet. And the first one is, uh, here in verse 14, you ought also, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And then, and before anybody gets nervous, we are not having a foot washing tonight. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Although I have been at some very spiritual foot washings where the power of God fell mightily, but just so that you are not concerned that you didn't wear clean socks tonight. <laughs> but notice Jesus said, you also ought. Hallelujah. And then in verse 15, he says, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. You ought and you should. You ought and you should. And so the emphasis here is in serving. And he is identifying that serving him is serving one another. Serving him is done here with people. We would all be privileged to have the opportunity to serve Jesus himself personally in doing something. If Jesus came up and asked you personally, would you do this for me? Would you uh, uh, fulfill this need that I have? I don't know any of us who would say, no, Jesus, I don't have time. You're on your own. And yet he has given us that same opportunity and the same need to serve the Lord exists today in the body of Christ, in the church. Let's look at Luke chapter 22 and 25 through 27. Luke 22, verses 25 through 27. Hallelujah. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat. But I am among you, as he that serves. I am among you as he that serves. He says, He that is greatest among you, him shall be as the younger, and he that is chief as him that does serve. So in the kingdom, the expression of greatness is discovered. The, the progress and the promotion is not discovered in the way that the world would discover it, it's discovered in the serving. Because as we serve the Lord by serving one another, as we serve the Lord by serving in His local church, serving in His ministry, we are recognizing Him as the greater and we are positioning ourselves correctly in His example. He said, I am among you as he that serves. Hallelujah. Matthew 20, 25. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. Matthew 20, 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be 
your minister and whosoever will be chief among you let him be your servant even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many to properly understand this verse which is a counterpart to the previous text we just read but to properly understand it we need to define minister by the original language because we have taken the word minister and we have put it in a different category at times not everybody but a lot of people in in our society today and even in the body of Christ today put the term minister and they have a different definition than this original language this in the Greek language is the word diakonos and it means servant I'm going to give you definitions that come from the actual Strong's Concordance one of the definitions is one who executes the commands of another one who executes the commands of another not the one making the commands not the one calling the shots not the one determining the plan but the one who is following the plan the one who is carrying out the plan the one who is fulfilling the will so that's one of the definitions it also is defined as the servant of a king the servant of a king so this is an area we need to translate and meditate translate this word over into its original meaning of servant and not see someone behind the pulpit in the five-fold ministry office but instead see a servant because that's the intent of the text of what he's saying it also means a deacon and a, a deacon is also something that has been misdefined in the body of Christ to some extent because people think that deacons I've been in churches where the deacons thought they ran the church which is outside of God's original plan for the church a deacon is a servant it's one who is assigned to help care for the tasks of the church to help care for in the in the uh, book of Acts it was specifically speaking of people who would help feed the poor um, the, another term is a waiter another de definition of the word diakonos which is translated minister here is a waiter one who serves food and drink so let's read these verses again in verse 26 down through 28 of Matthew and let's read it again with that definition of servant one who executes the commands of another it shall not be so among you but whoever will be great among you let him be your servant one who executes the commands of another one who waits on or serves and whoever will be chief among you let him be your servant even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister serve he didn't come to be served his we serve him but that wasn't his motive in coming that wasn't the example he set for us he set the example by serving 
by fulfilling the commands of God. He executed the commands that God gave him. He said, if you are to go through the book of John, you'll see that he said, I only do what my father has instructed me to do. I only say what my father told me to say. I am sent. I'm not here of my own. I'm not here to do my own will. I'm here to do the will of the one who sent me. I'm sent. I'm sent. I'm sent. I'm under command. I'm, I'm serving my Father. I'm fulfilling my Father's will. Jesus, the Word made flesh, who all things were created by Him, and there's not anything that is that wasn't made by Him, He came and served God. He came and served the Father. What a noble example for us. What an example of greatness. His greatness came in the serving as he humbled himself even to the point of death and became obedient to fulfill the will of God even to the point of dying on the cross. He served it. He, he did that as a servant of God. Isaiah 53, I believe it is, he said, my servant will justify many. God calls him my servant. Hallelujah. Why? Because yes, he's my son, but he's there to execute my will, to follow my commands. And we are all sons and daughters of God. And we are here not to be served, but to serve him, to follow his commands. So he said in verse 28, even as the son of man came not to be served or ministered unto but to serve to follow the commands and to give his life a ransom for many in first corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28 first corinthians 12 28 god has set some in the church first apostles secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. What an interesting list. You would expect, and, and as Brother Hagen has taught, this is not an order of importance or an order of... Uh, um, one is greater than the other, but this is th what came into the church in order in the body of Christ. The, in, in the book of Acts, we see that it was the apostles positioned first. Why? Because they were the apostles of the Lamb. They were the apostles. There were no people who had grown into the gift of the pastor and developed into the gift of the pastor. There were no, they were just getting born again. The church in its inception was just uh, uh, everybody getting saved. And so the apostles of the Lamb, they were the first in the order of the church, in establishing the church. And then we see that secondarily there were prophets added and teachers added. And after that, miracles and the gifts of healings. And so uh, helps is an interesting addition to this list. Helps is right there in the midst with gifts of healings, with miracles. We've got miracles and helps in the list. 
Hallelujah. Helps is a valid part, an integral part of the kingdom working. It's a ministry, notice, that God set in the church. God set helps in the church. God set positions of serving in the church. This word helps is a word that means to lay hold of to support. To lay hold of to support. One who gives assistance. And I like this definition. Participation. Participation. Every believer has a part to play. Every believer has a part to play in the local church, in the work of God, in what the body of Christ is, be, is to be doing on the earth today. Every believer has a part. No sitting saints. No sitting saints. Nobody is destined to sit on the bench. This is not a congregational sport where you come and watch us play. This is not a place where the church comes in. This, these are not stands that you're sitting in to watch the entertainment on the stage. Hallelujah. We, this is where you come in and we pass out bullets. We load your guns with faith, with hope, with uh, rightly dividing the word, with an understanding, with light, with strength. We pass out spiritual ammunition and then we all go out and work the works of God. We all go out and lay hands. Laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover is not something for the fivefold ministry. It's for the believer. He that believes in me, these signs shall follow he that believes in me. If you are a believer, you are equipped to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You are equipped to cast devils out of people who are demon-possessed. You are equipped for the re recovering of the sight of the blind. Hallelujah. So every believer has a participation in the work. And God set in the church helps. 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 And I'll tell you, we'll see as, as the scripture unfolds, Helps, if, if people don't bring a supply to the helps ministry and, and position themselves in the helps ministry, often they won't find out the next phase of what God may have for them. That helps ministry is a place for a connection for me to be able to identify. Or let me put it this way. When Elijah was sent to find Elisha, he was sent to a man who had his hand to the plow. Elisha wasn't sitting around at the tent waiting for God to call him. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And when God sent Elijah to find someone, he sent someone who already had a position in working, who already had something to do. When God prepared Joshua... Joshua was the servant of Moses. It calls him the minister of Moses. He was a servant of Moses. And that he was willing to do whatever Moses needed. And in that preparation, when it got time for God to look for someone who would be, 
you know, if he had not been in that position, he would not be ready for the next position. If he had not been in that place serving and following and learning and watching and catching the heart of his leader, catching the heart of his leader. I mean, when Moses went, came down with his, his faith glowing and, you know, where Joshua had been, he had been outside waiting. He had been halfway up the mountain waiting. He didn't get to go all the way up into the glory of God. He wasn't down there with the backsliders in the camp. He was there patiently in his post helping, bringing a supply, participating in the ministry of the man of God. He saw the lightnings and the thunders and the glory of God and he then here comes Moses with his face shining so brightly that they ended up asking him to cover his face because of the glory. But Joshua wasn't upset that he didn't get to be in the glory. He wasn't upset that he wasn't down there feasting with everybody else. He was faithful in his helps ministry position to do what God asked him to do. Amen. And then when the, the glory of God fell so strongly, he didn't want to leave. Amen. He wanted to stay there in the presence of God. He had caught the heart of his leader. And when it came time, God chose someone who had already been working. God chose someone who had already been faithful to catch the vision of the house, faithful to bring their supply, faithful to serve him when nobody else saw it, faithful to serve him when nobody else was, was passing out accolades or recognitions. Amen? That's important because we're not serving for a motive of people to recognize. We're serving as unto the Lord. So whether it be vacuuming the church, Hallelujah. Amen. Running the camera. Glory to God. Greeting at the front door. Whatever the opportunity may be. The Lord is the one who we are serving. Amen. It's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. <laughs> he knew something about the importance of being a greeter at the door. Hallelujah. Then to have all of those tents full of fine things. Why? Because this is where the presence of God is. Let's look over at Ephesians chapter 4. And then I'm going to switch over to a different uh, um, direction. But I want to, this is our, our foundation. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 16. Oh, praise the Lord. I think we should actually, I'm going to go ahead and back up to 11 and then we'll come all the way down. This is the supernatural design that God planned for his church. It says in verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. These are offices that God has ordained. These are offices that are supernatural. They are not responsibilities in a natural sense. They are offices in a supernatural sense. The equipment in the office is supernatural. 
just as in, in a natural office, you would have equipment that's not in your kitchen. And so you would say, I have to come to the office to be able to print that, to be able to scan that, to be able to whatever different things are the equipment for that office. Amen. It can't be done from my kitchen. It can't be done from my garage. I need to be in my office to be able to fulfill those assignments. In these offices that God has supernaturally designed, there are supernatural equippings that will provide for the growth of the church, the maturing of the saints. Hallelujah. That's why Pastor Caldwell continually tells us the pastor can't do can't can't do all that needs to be done in in perfecting the saints the pastor has the oversight the pastor is steering or directing the ship but the pastor needs the, the other ministry offices because there are equippings in the apostle there are equippings in the prophet there are equippings in the uh, evangelist and in the teacher that are are needed in the whole body they're equippings and there are greater levels of proficiency as a person yields themselves to that office for example pastor my pastor he can say the same thing I said and it comes through his office with a different clarity and a different power because he has stood in the office of the pastor many decades more than I have amen he has developed not just a number of years but a proficiency of the heart of the pastor and I, I tell him often, I'll tell him, Pastor, you, you say things out of your office. And that's why it has such an impact. And that's why he can pastor through Arkansas Alive and pastor through, through he's, he's pastoring our state. Because he's ministering a word through an office that he has stood in and gained a proficiency in. Hallelujah. Keith Moore would say, as he traveled with Brother Hagen, he would say, there were people who looked at Brother Hagen as a teacher. And when he went to their church, that's what he could do. But there were other churches that had been taught and, and, and understood how to receive the office of the prophet. And he said, we wouldn't even get the songs done before he began to flow in the office. He would, just begin, he would just step up in the middle of a song service and begin to operate out of that office. Hallelujah. Because they were willing to receive of that office. And there were things that he was able to say and things that, that we are still able to receive from today that he brought out of that office. Hallelujah. A clarity. Praise God. So when we look here at this ministry office, and we're not going to, this is not our focus, but I do want to take an understanding, a time for us to understand that these are not just titles that represent a natural responsibility. Oh, well, that person is this, and that person is this, and that's what they do. No, that's the office they stand in. 
And that's why when Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get the prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you get a righteous man's reward because there's a responsibility in the receiving. And it can be that, that one person might walk up and, and receive that person as the prophet of God. And the other person walk up and say, hey, bud. You know, you might walk up and you might say, hey, Phil, how are you doing? Well, you're going to get what Phil can give you. And he hates that. Please don't call him Phil. Just FYI, Philip is what we call him. But if you call him Philip, if you receive him as Philip, you can get what Philip can give you. But, but pastor, pastor still, he's got something in his office of a greater spiritual emphasis and a spiritual provision than Philip the man has. He's a righteous man. Amen? But if you want to receive the gift of the pastor, then receive him as pastor. It's not about the title. It's not about, it's not about but, but what you call him can help you receive. How you approach him can help you receive. And I'm not just saying that for his sake. I'm just using that as an example. We could use Prophet Ford in the, in the same example. We want, to, we want to access the supply of God in the office. And, and a person who's been faithful to the office and gained a proficiency in the office, and I'll, I'll tell you why I'm ministering along, why, I'm, why I just camped here for a minute. The word of the Lord came in two different examples. Smith Wigglesworth, as well as Dr. Ed Dufresne, talked about the end-time move of God and emphasized that in the end-time move of God, the, the five-fold ministry gift would operate at maximum efficiency. What would happen if every pastor stepped into 100% maximum efficiency of their office? What would change in the body if every evangelist was operating at full maximum potential of the evangelist office? Can you imagine the altar calls? Can you imagine the miracles and the signs drawing people to the Lord? If every teacher was teaching in 100% maximum efficiency of the office, not their talent, not head knowledge, I'm talking about the office. There's an office that God has set. It's the office that he set. He's given the office. The office of the pastor, the office of the evangelist, and the people that he's called into that office, they can yield to and gain a proficiency in and come to a greater potential in that office by their faithfulness to it. Hallelujah. And, and so I've been praying along that line. I've been praying for that because God has spoken that is something that's going to be in these last days. I'm laying hold of it. Yeah. I want it in, in our church. Yeah. I want it in, in the body of Christ that we're connected to. I want us operating in our full potential power. Yeah. Amen. So let's, let's read this again. God gave. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What is the purpose 
of these offices for the perfecting. The word perfecting means development or maturity. Development or maturity. So there needs to be a development in the saints, a maturity in the saints. And God established supernatural equipment in the offices to help the saints develop and mature for the work of the ministry. It did not say that the fivefold offices identified there are to do the work of the ministry. The saints are to do the work of the ministry. The saints are to do the work of the ministry. We all, that means all of us, including those who are standing in the offices, but including those who are in, in, in every aspect of the body of Christ. The perfecting, the maturing, the developing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, well-developed, mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceit, but deceive, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even the body, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. The body joined together, fitting together, fitly joined together. That, that, that's the reason there's some assembly required. You can't get this, and, and hear me, all of you who are watching me by live stream, I praise God that you're watching, but there is some assembly required. We want the live stream to be a benefit, but not a replacement. It cannot replace, it, it, it cannot replace the assembling of ourselves because we've got to be fitly joined together, and we can't fitly join together if I never see your face. If we don't see each other, you, you can't learn to walk in love from your couch. Please don't turn me off. Hold on, it's going to get better. But this is good. Listen, if, if for us to be the body of Christ, we've got to assemble. We've got to have this fitly joined together because we've got to be able to connect. We've got to be able to make those spiritual connections. Hallelujah for the growth and for the serving. You know, when Pastor Caldwell was uh, ministering, it was, it was one of the first, uh, 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 after they had uh, uh, given a lot of people coming back to churches, he made this statement. He said, it takes people to run the church. It takes people to run the church. It takes people coming together. And it's not just for the sake of running the church, but it's for the sake of serving God. It's for the sake of serving Him, for ministering to Him by ministering it to others. The Bible says, by love, serve one another. Serve one another. That's the expression of love. He said, they will know you are my disciples by the fact that you love one another, by the love that you have to each other. 
Well, that can't be expressed if we're never together. It requires that togetherness. And, and you won't know you need to grow in love till you get beside somebody who needs your love and your forgiveness. Because everybody in church is not perfect. It, just in case you hadn't found that out yet. <laughs> if you're coming to the church of the perfect, you're here. Right? And as long as we're here, we're not per anybody perfect. We're not perfect. So as long as you're not perfect, that person sitting next to you is not perfect either. But we're growing. And for us to grow, we've got to have this fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. So every person has a supply to bring. Every joint has a supply. Every connector has a supply. Hallelujah. And we need the supply you have. Not just, not just uh, uh, the supply you bring in the hearing, but the supply that you bring with the smile, the supply of love that you bring, the supply of encouragement that you bring, the supply of faithfulness that you example. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. That is a supply. Amen. It says that we are to be fitly joined together and we have a supply. I want to read this from the Amplified. It says, for because of him, the whole body, the church, in all of its various parts, closely joined and firmly knit together by the joints and ligaments with which it is supplied, when each part with power adapted to its need is working properly in all of its functions, it grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. I'm in verse 16, amplified, of Ephesians 4. Forgive me. I'm going to read that last part of that verse again. When each part, that's me and you, all of us are included in each part. When each part with power adapted to its need is properly working in all of its functions, grows to full maturity, building itself up in love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We each have a role to play in the work of God and in the growth of the local church. And every one of us are valuable to that plan. One is not more valuable than the other. One is not more valuable than the other. One may have a more significant responsibility, but that doesn't change the value of the one with a lesser responsibility. My little toe does not do the same thing my brain does, but I want it to work. And I want it to feel good. And if you've ever hung your toe on something walking through the dark house at night, you begin to realize and appreciate the value of that little toe. And that little, nobody ever sees that little toe. Nobody ever looks at that little toe and says, what a grand toe you have. What an impressive toe you have. But you value its part even though it doesn't have the same significant responsibility, it's still valuable to you and you don't want to give it up. Amen? And the same is true in the church family. Although we may have different responsibilities and different roles, we each have a part to play. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we will look here at 
Exodus chapter 18. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 18, let's begin in verse 17. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that you do is not good. Well, let's stop and, and find out what was he doing. Well, they were having issues and they needed to come to Moses. He was the leader and so they set up for Moses to hear their problems. And he would sit and people would line up and he would sit and listen to their problems and listen to their problems and judge between them and make righteous judgments. And it was uh, wearing them out. Notice that it says in verse 13, the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. I mean, they were standing in line all day long trying to get through this line. And if you didn't get to it, come back in the morning because, and just get in your place in line. Everybody get back in your place in line. And nobody was moving forward. No progress was being made. They were just having to deal with. And he was doing it all. And so he was having everybody come to him to make the right decision. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you're doing is not good. You will surely wear away both you and this people that is with you and this thing is too heavy for you for you are not able to perform it yourself alone. You're not able to do this alone. And the work that God has for this local church, not any one of us can do it alone. Not, pastor can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. Uh, uh, you know, just a few people, we can't do it alone because it's bigger than all of us. Amen. Amen. Amen? Hearken now unto my voice and I will give you counsel and God will be with you for be thou for the people to Godward that you may bring the causes unto God and you shall teach them ordinances and laws and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, you shall provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring to you but every small matter they shall judge, so shall it be easier for yourself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. And if you shall do this thing, and God command thee so, then you shall be able to endure, and all these people shall also go to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. Rulers over thousands, rulers over hundreds, rulers over fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons and hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. Hallelujah. Now, God had appointed Moses. God had appointed Moses. 
And we saw that God set some in the church. So God sets a leader over the church. But then that leader has the responsibility to appoint leaders. That pastor, that one who is is governing that church body has a responsibility to raise up leaders, department heads, people who are willing not just uh, to run a department but to serve in a department. To be able to recognize, okay, this can't all be done by one people or ten people, so it needs to have people bringing their supply and joining to help cause the vision to be an easy flow for all included. Moses was burdened by the multitudes of the people that he was called to serve, but his father-in-law's suggestion was to delegate that authority through able men and it was a pattern that has continued throughout scripture now Moses father-in-law was the priest of men he was a man of God and so his counsel was godly counsel and that counsel has stood as a pattern throughout the scripture and even in the church today amen and that delegation is part of the helps ministry, that delegated authority. Every person in the helps ministry is connected to the pastor, a connection of the pastor. The children's ministers are delegated authority by the pastor to represent him in that children's ministry. The youth ministers are delegated authority by the pastor to represent him and the vision of the church in the youth ministry the greeters are delegated authority by the pastor to represent him at the front door amen every one of us serving in the local church are under a delegated authority that is God has set a pastor in the church and the pastor has set the vision of the church and the responsibilities of the church, the direction that we're going, the, the flow that we're flowing in, and the assignments that need to be fulfilled. Amen? Amen. Another example is when uh, Aaron and her held up the hands of Moses, found also in the book of Exodus in chapter 17. Chapter 17, verse 11, says that, uh, there, was a, there was a battle going on. Joshua, the servant of Moses, was down leading the battle. And Moses, as he stood on a mountain, whenever he had his hands lifted, they prevailed in the battle. And if he became tired in his hands and he put his hands down, they began to lose. And so it says here in chapter 17, verse 11, When Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the other side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Hallelujah. So notice that it wasn't something Moses could do on his own. It required Moses to have his hands lifted, but he began 
to be, be weary in the lifting of his hands. Trying to do it on his own, he did not have the strength. Moses couldn't be down there leading the battle. Joshua was serving leading the battle. And then Moses couldn't keep his hands in his own strength lifted up. So he had people who came alongside to help. Amen? This is also an example for us of the help ministry. The helps ministry. And so when we, we look at this and uh, we can, we've talked about the example of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was a helps minister to Elijah. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go and read all of those scriptures we've discussed already. He found him serving and he continued to serve. And I think it's interesting when they called for Elisha later in in. Uh, a battle that was going on. They, the kings had gone out too far. They didn't have enough water to come back. And they said, is there anybody who can hear from God? And they said, well, Elisha, the man who poured water. Hallelujah. He did double the miracles. The double portion came on him. He was walking in a double portion but he was identified by his servanthood. He was identified by how he had served the man of God. You know what they were saying? He was faithful. He was faithful to serve the man of God. He was faithful to serve the man of God. You know, there were other prophets. They, they, they came to him each time. He, he went to Bethel. And, and the man of God said, I need to go to Bethel. And he said, uh, you stay here. And Elisha said, oh, oh, no, no. If you're going, I'm going. He would not leave his side. And the prophets came to him, the sons of the prophets, the school of the prophets. They came to him and they said, don't you know that your master will be taken from your hand? Don't you know he's going to be taken soon? They, they picked it up. But there was no desire on their part to receive what had been operative in Elijah. They wanted the, the, the office, but they didn't want the, the mantle. But there was one who wanted the mantle. There was one who wanted to pick up that vision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he, every step of the way, when Elijah said, I'm going to go, you stay here, he said, oh, no. If you're going, I'm going. He, I'm following you. And he went with him. And in each place, they came to him and said, Don't you know that your master's going to be taken from you? And he said, I know. Hold your peace. That's not what's important. What's important is that I serve. And that I serve correctly. And I serve with the right heart. And I serve with a faithful heart. Because when he crossed the Jordan and the question was asked to him, Now listen, if he had stayed behind in any of those places, he would never have come to the point of being asked the question, what would you have me to give you? What do you want? What would you ask of me? What would you inquire of me? And he said, I want a double portion of your, I want the double portion. If he had not been faithful, he would not have been there to have been asked that question and if he had not been serving, he would not have been able to qualify for what that took because he said, if you see me when I go, 
You know how that was that faithfulness, that diligence. And that's not just faithfulness in the being present. That's not just I have to stay awake so I can see you. I have to be there so I can see you. But it has a double meaning because if you can see as I see, the anointing that was on Elisha could not be used for something different. It had to be used for the same vision. It had to be used for the same purpose. He was to fulfill the same role. He was to take the responsibilities that Elisha had taken and he could not have a different outlook and perception and vision. He had to walk closely enough and you get that in serving. There is a a development that comes as I serve. There is a, a, a maturing and a perception that comes as I serve that I can't get from, from being a bystander. Hallelujah. If you can see as I see, or if you can see me when I go, if you can see the things I see, the way I see, the vision I have, because the anointing is for the vision. The anointing is for the purpose, not for the person. The anointing is for the purpose, for the vision. I cannot take this anointing and do something different with it and have the same result. I'm not called to preach certain things. As a pastor, I attempt to feed a well-rounded diet. But the assignment on this local church is to build faith and frame worlds. We can't take that anointing and do different things with it and say, well, we're going to quit building faith and we're not going to talk about that faith stuff anymore. We're not going to preach faith anymore. We're going to preach different things. And have this, it won't, it won't work because the anointing on this house is for the purpose to which God has called us. And we have to see the vision that God has given the pastor. It's not It's not the pastor's vision. It's God's vision that he delegated to make sure that this man of God fulfills it. He's he's authorized by God to build faith in this community. To frame people's world, giving the structure of God's world, of God's word to their marriage, to their finances, to their health, their world their structure of their lives. If we want the the mighty men became mighty as they helped David fulfill the vision David was assigned. It says they became mighty as they helped him become king. They weren't mighty when they started. They were in debt. They were discontented. They were tore up from the floor up, brother. They were a mess. But they came and joined themselves to the anointing on David, to the vision, the purpose, because the anointing is for the purpose. It's not the anointing for the anointing's sake. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach. 
the gospel to the poor, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He has anointed for the purpose. The anointing is for the purpose. David's mighty men became mighty as they served the purpose, the vision, served the house. And they began to exhibit some of the same characteristics in battle, the same characteristics of the anointing that were David who slew the giant and slew the bear and slew the lion. And they are exhibiting supernatural victories in battle, supernatural victories over entire Philistine regiments that were sent out against them. Where did they get that anointing to fight like that? It came because they connected to the vision. It came because they were serving. They couldn't get it any other way. That's why when we talk about partnership or people connecting financially, that's, that's one of the connections that provides a spiritual flow into our lives because we're bringing a supply for the preaching of the gospel. Amen? Amen? But, you know, being an usher is bringing a supply. Helping in the parking lot ministry is bringing a supply. Singing on the praise team is bringing a supply. Whatever opportunity in the local church to help the vision move forward, to help God's purpose be fulfilled in Faith Builders Little Rock, there's anointing that will be upon our lives because we are, as faith builders, connected, being a joint bringing a supply, fitly joining together and bringing a, a provision of help, a ministry of help, a serving in the local church. And you'll experience the anointing in your personal life as a result of that connection. David's mighty men became mighty as they helped him in the purpose and the assignment that God has for, for their life. And they became, it, they became not only some of the most uh, victorious in battle, but they increased with their finances as David increased. Hallelujah. Because that's part of the purpose. Part of the purpose on the house is the increase into all that God has called us to do. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to unplug here. And we'll pick it up in the next opportunity because I have much more. And it's vital for us to recognize our part because Philip started serving the Grecian widows. In the book of Acts, he became an evangelist. But he wasn't an evangelist when he started. Amen? 
there are developments and maturings that are going to take place as we serve in, not that every person is going to always end up in a five-fold ministry office because God hasn't called all of us to it. But there are always developings and maturings for us. And if there is a greater office, you're not going to start there. Nine times out of ten, people don't start there. They start in faithful places and they grow and then God moves them over just like when it says that uh, Saul and Barnabas, they were prophets and teachers, but God said, separate them unto the ministry I've called them. Well, they were in ministry, (laughs) but that wasn't the end of their ministry. They were in ministry and then God took those who had been faithful in one and said, because they've been faithful here, I know I can trust them here. Because they've developed here, now they're ready for this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first thing that I got to do when I got born again was clean the church. I came and cleaned the church, and we had an announcement board at our church, and they let me put the announcements on the announcement board. And I I would try to find creative ways to put up the announcements. And then they let me greet a few times. And then they they let me sing with the praise team. Hallelujah. Backup singer with the praise team. And then we, we moved uh, here into, uh, not here, into the Kansas area. And a uh, pastor began being an uh, associate pastor, the uh, um, assistant pastor at a, a church. And they, they didn't have any ushers. They didn't have any ushers. I became the usher. Because we had people who were out of line in the church. I mean, the kids just coming and going and that back door all the time and, and, and nobody doing this and nobody. So, so I became the usher. I've been the usher. I've been the nursery worker. I've been the uh, youth pastor. I've been uh, what, I, I, in all of those servings. None of them were beneath me. None of them were stepping stones either. None of them were just, I'm, I'm biding my time here until I get to do something better. They were opportunities. And I learned in each one of them. I learned in each one of them. In our Kansas campus, at the, when live stream became available, the people who were running our media department said, we can't do live stream. I said, we can do live stream. And I played with computers. And listen, I had never went to a class about computers in my life. But I just had, we needed it to be done. So I would just poke and press buttons until I figured out how to run those things. I started the media store in in the Kansas campus. I started the media store for our ministry before we were even in that campus. And at the time, you know, I wanted something bright that you could see across the room. And it was all cassette tape. So I had my cassette tape duplicator. And uh, I ordered some bright yellow. And, you know, um, after a while, people, began, they, they would tease me because it looked like the always saved generic box. And so I'm like, we got to change the color on those. Uh, but, you know, I learned how to run the tape player. I learned how to run the computer. I learned how to build a website. 
I learned because everybody kept telling me you can't do that. Oh, I can. We can do it. We can, there's got to be a way. Google it. There's a YouTube video that'll show us how to do this. But in every one of them, I just wanted to serve the Lord. I just wanted to serve the Lord. But you know, God has prospered me through it. In every one of them, it, it's been a, a help. It's been a blessing. Hallelujah. And so, even if you don't think you know how to do it, if God puts on your heart, that team needs help. Where can I serve in the church? Where can I connect in the church? What can I do? It doesn't have to be every single week. If we had every part being played, if we had every person bringing a supply, we wouldn't have to have anybody doing the same thing every week. We could have, have people that you do your role every other week, once a month. Amen? But the benefit is for the servant. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for how you've ministered to us tonight, how you've served us with light, with inspiration, with strength, with instructions. Father, we accept that. Would you just lift your hands to him right now and say, I accept my part, my position in your work. You have a part for me. I accept it. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise God. Would you stand with me to your feet? I did not mean to keep us here till 8 o'clock. But I won't apologize for anything, any part of it. And I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't backtrack and do it any other way. Whatever he wants for the service, it's his service to conduct as he wishes. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could I have you sit back down? an opportunity if you have something you would share with them. I just had in my heart to place a demand on that office tonight. We're not in a hurry. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I just want to share a couple of little simple things. I got these from my daughter, actually. But Monique said, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Now that's profound if you think on it. If serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. 
And then she said another thing. She said that if you do not have a definite vision and focus for your life, then distractions will seem like opportunities. So she helps. She talked about that helps office. And in the, uh, you know, when you look in your Strong's Concordance, it'll say Chaldean and Latin. Well, that passage she read about Elijah and Elisha in the, in the uh, Chaldean text, it said, if you see eye to eye with me when I'm caught up, if you see eye to eye with me, then you can receive. Now, she gave the, the same explanation that they give in the Chaldean because the anointing is for a purpose. And if you don't have the same reason for wanting this anointing that I have it, then you are basically you're going to merchandise or manipulate it and lose it. But if so, God wasn't going to even give it unless you saw. Think about now. You can go back to the King James text and validate this. When Elijah was caught up, Elisha did not physically see him because the chariot of fire came between them, and he said he saw the chariot of fire and the horseman thereof. And the next thing you hear him crying is. My father, my father. He's gone. Yes. And then he picked up the mantle. See, if, if, if I was following James and he said, I got to see him get caught up, fire, cherry, whatever, I'm watching him. When he dropped the mantle, it would have never hit the ground. I would have caught it. But he, 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 something came between them that so shocked him for that moment of time. When he looked back, the mantle was on the ground. Yes. But he picked it up. He received it because his motive of heart was so knit, it was so synchronized with the man that he had served for over 22 years. He was never embarrassed by being recognized as Elijah's servant. I had a man came to me, him and his wife, sat me and my wife down at our house to tell us God had called him to serve us. And so whenever you tell me that, I'm all ears. I'm listening. Okay, what did God call you to do? But they went on to tell us first the thing that they were not going to do. And everything they were not going to do were the thing we needed done. All the things that they wanted to do, we had family doing that. You know. And so, of course, before I could say anything, he said, because I'm not going to be called a flunky. I'm thinking, why are you here? <laughs> so, of course, they left and never did get that opportunity to serve because it was obvious they just wanted to be our buddies. I told my man of God, both uh, Pastor Carwell can tell you, he pastored me for 23 years. We had lunch together twice because I was a guest speaker and he took all of his speakers out. What am I saying? I didn't want to be his buddy. And when Pastor Scott came six years ago, as soon as he became pastor that Sunday, I called the office the next business day, I made an appointment to see him. And I told him, I said, I'm a team player. I said, even when I played basketball, sometimes I didn't think the coach made the right call, but I ran the play. I said, I'm going to honor you, but I'm not going to be your buddy because your voice is the most significant voice in the spiritual arena outside of the voice of God to me. And I'm, gonna, I'm never going to get in a position where your voice means nothing to me. And so many people want to be their pastor's friend or act like they know them so well. Especially when you get to serve. Oh, Lord, and you get to serve in the back room. 
now you, you know two secrets about the pastor and you y'all just partners. And then when they listen, they become Philip and Michelle instead of pastor. And you don't know how much you lose. So don't, don't let that come to you as you learn to love them. Because pastor's going to love on their sheep. But you got to always have a place of reverence that you keep there as you serve. And, and over these six years, I told Pastor Scott, I said, when I'm not preaching and I come to church, it's not because I'm religious. It's because I want to hear what you got to say. I said, I don't come to church to compete with your knowledge. I don't come to church to refute your teaching. I come to hear. See, and sometimes we come and say, well, they should let me preach that one. I could have really worked with that. Wrong attitude. If you're going to serve, you're going to have to learn how to humble yourself under the word and be able to always be able to hear the voice and the heart. See, that's what happens. Sometimes we hear the voice, but we don't never hear the heart. When you sit up under your leaders with a servant's attitude, no matter what your calling is, there's an impartation in there. You've heard some things are caught, others are taught. But there's a teaching part. There's a catching part. And you don't catch much if you're not here. But there are also impartations and transformations, transfers, deposits that come, not just from being present, but being reverently present. And first reverence is reverence to the Holy Spirit. If he's talking, I ain't walking. If he's talking, I ain't texting. If he's talking, I'm not tweeting. I want to be paying attention to what he's saying, number one, through the vessel that's, that's sharing. And then number two, sometimes he'll say stuff to me about what they're saying. That's where my note-taking goes. So I just want to, I want to encourage you again with, with Monique's two uh, proverbs. If serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. You know what? That's important to me. Because I see people all the time who are already, quote, in the five-fold ministry office. They can't serve. And Lord forbid, those who used to pastor, now they don't. They really can't serve. James know what I'm talking about. They, they, I, they. And they don't realize there's a plateau. They, they stop growing. They don't go. So keep your heart open. Because if you know that you know that God has called you to do something, then what better place to be? So he can sit there and teach you and understand. And, and, and you can get your faith developed and built and established. And then you will find out when the time comes, you don't have to leave. You'll be sent. You'll be planted. You'll be placed. And sometimes you don't realize you've already been planted. And then he'll raise you up. See, there's other, there's other phases of the house vision that we need faithful men, faithful women, that we can turn it over to them. And not worry about it. You know, I, I, I watched Sister Gina. She did praise and worship at Agape for a long time. But then that year when Connie and them clicked in, it's like she knew, I can let this go. And, and they were faithful. They, were, they, they didn't miss rehearsal. They didn't play with it. And they came and they bought a presence. But it took a lot of years before she stepped away. And sometimes the leader is looking because they know, if I can turn this loose, I can get involved in this. But I don't want to drop it, pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it, pick it up. Where is that faithful person that realized I'm planted to serve right here? Not the person who, I'm here for a season. 
quiet till I get a better opportunity. Praise the Lord.